O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I'm languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Turn, O Lord, deliver my life. Save me from the sake, for the sake of your steadfast love. For in death there's no remembrance of you. In Sheol, who will give you praise? Those are the first five verses of Psalm 6, which along with Psalm 12 are the psalms appointed for today, Tuesday, April the 12th, 2022. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding, and I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. Uh, we're continuing uh, in our look at the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 15 today, chapter or verses 10 to 21. In the Gospel according to John, chapter 12, verses 20 to 26, and then continuing in uh, the letter to the church at Philippi, chapter 3, verses 15 to 21. So in Jeremiah's uh, prophecy, we're going to get an interplay between Jeremiah and the Lord. And it begins with Jeremiah saying, Woe is me, my mother, that you bore me, a man of strife and contention to the whole land. Remember a couple of days ago, we saw the trial that occurred of Jeremiah, um, where where he came into the temple, announced that things were going to go badly, the chief priest, and then got the people rallied to their side, and then the um, the, the Sanhedrin came and met and said, no, 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 we're not going to put this man to death. But there's constant tension between him and the people. And, and it's because he's pronouncing woe against them, and they won't repent. That's the, that's the main issue, is the persistence in sin and the denial of, of that sin. So he's, he's in problems all the time. He said, I haven't lent, nor have I borrowed, yet all of them curse me. The Lord said, Have I not set you free for their good? Have I not pleaded for you before the enemy in the time of trouble and in the time of distress? Can one break iron, iron from the north, and bronze? Your wealth and your treasures I will give as spoil without price for all your sins throughout all your territory. I will make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know, for in my anger a fire is kindled that will burn forever. Now, it doesn't mean that he's going to destroy them. Because he's in covenant with them. There will always be a remnant. But what he's telling them is, is that all the things that you've worked for, your wealth and your treasures, you've worked all these years for them. You've, you've committed yourself to doing nothing other than this. You've, you've committed yourself to not keeping the law with respect to the land. And, and now what I'm going to do is all the stuff that you worked for, I'm giving away as spoil without price because of your sins. So everything you worked for is going to be torn out of your hands and taken away from you and given to other people because they're just as unworthy as you are. But you're my people, and that's the part that matters. So Jeremiah then begins to complain again, Oh, Lord, you know, remember me and visit me and take vengeance for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, take me not away. Know that for your sake I bear reproach. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me a joy in the delight of my heart. For I'm called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. So Jeremiah is saying, look, I've done everything I could do. I've heard what you had to say, and I've spoken these things. I love your word. I love everything about you. And they still, they're persecuting me. And it's because of that. I didn't sit in the company of revelers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone. Because your hand was on me, for you had filled me with indignation. You, you, you allowed me to see things as they are through your eyes. 
I understand the depth of sin and the magnitude of sin and how horrible it is in your eyes. That's what he's saying is, is he's, you have filled me with indignation. He had lived whatever period of life that he had lived prior to this without that same indignation over the same sins. And, and that's the thing is that sometimes our eyes need to be opened so that we can see clearly what sin looks like and what it, what it looks like to God. We need to see that. When, <clears throat> why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Will you be to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail? Will you just, I, I come in the expectation uh, of being able to get refreshment, and, and what I find is, no, either it can't be drunk, or it was just a false oasis to start with. Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, I will restore you, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall be as my mouth. They shall turn to you, but you shall not turn to them. Um, in other words, this is that, that he's, he's saying, God's saying, as long as you say the things that I say, that I tell you to say, then everything will go well with you. You don't have to worry. They can't come against you and destroy you because I'm your protector, Jeremiah. So long as you're continuing to speak my word, I will protect you from any harm that they have against you. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They'll fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I'm with you to save you and deliver you, declares the Lord. I'll deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. In other words, I got you back, Jeremiah. I got you. And he had a mission to fulfill, right? So until that mission was complete, so long as he was faithful to the mission, God said, then everything will be okay with you. I mean, it, you, I'll protect you at least. You're not going to have a great life. You're not going to have an easy life. People are going to hate you, but you have a job, and I need you to be faithful to that job all the way to the end, no matter what the cost is along the way. And then that's exactly what we see in Jesus. And it's exactly the commitment we see in Paul and what we know of his life is he was faithful to that commitment to do the work that he was given to do and not let himself get sidetracked and never cease no matter what the cost to him was so here now Jesus remember has has just come into town yesterday in the reading he had come into town he had come in on the donkey and was acclaimed as the son of David who was there to save them and now what we get is now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So who are these people? Well, they're proselytes. They're people who have not been um, circumcised, but, but they have committed themselves in certain ways to becoming converts. They just haven't finished the conversion process of being circumcised. So they've come to the feast to be part of the people of Israel. But And they come to Philip at this point, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew went and told Jesus. Now this is a, kind of a reversal of the way that it started with Philip and Andrew, that they, they tell one another things. And, and then the other goes. And so Andrew... Uh, and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hours come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And this is an answer to the question from the Greeks of, Sir, we, would, we wish to see Jesus. So the hours come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, 
And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. You can just see this, right? With Philip and Andrew, they've just said, hey, there's these Greek people over here who would really like to see you. And they had to have been excited about that because the fame that Jesus had had, um, achieved, let's say, had grown so much that even these non-Jewish proselytes, these Gentiles, because they had not become Jewish, so they're Gentiles, these Gentiles were now coming at the festival to see Jesus. So the world had come. And so now, the, now is the time, because people from all over the Roman Empire had come to this place, including those who were non-Jews. They had come, and then their object here was to see Jesus, the man who was just acclaimed as king. And, and his, so they ask, you know, hey, hey, these guys would like to see it. And Jesus gives this answer. And, and at the end of, of what Jesus said, they, Philip and Andrew had to look at each other and say, so will you see him? <laughs> it would have been a little confusing, to say the least, what Jesus had said. Because what, what does he mean? The hours come for the Son of Man to be glorified. So this is the maximum exposure on what's getting ready to happen. So there's going to be maximum amount of of buzz about what's going to happen and so he's going to be glorified and he's going to be glorified in this moment at this time in the same way that God was glorified in the Passover and in the Exodus that that his renown was known throughout the empire and then he speaks of okay so the only the path to glorification is death the laying down of life one way i mean i don't mean that necessarily in, in in a physical way but what what i do mean is 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 the death of self and the life to christ the new life but it's death to self death to ambition death to all the stuff that we might have otherwise and and that's got to go away is what he says whoever loves his life loses it and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. It's important that we get that. <laughs> it's important that we understand how, how important it is to lay down our lives and say, Lord, I, I'm not counting on anything but you. I'm going all in, as I said yesterday, that Paul said that's what that was his attitude, was to go all in. And it was the same with Jeremiah. I mean, God said, you know, I, I understand that you hate your life here. <laughs> I do. I get it because I know it's miserable. My son's going to experience worse than you, Jeremiah. But but as long as you are obedient and faithful to the work that I've given you to do, then you're going to be fine. You will maintain your life as long as I need it to be at my disposal. And it's important because what God wanted was for those people to be without excuse he wanted them to, to, to never be able to say, well, nobody told us. You never let us know. You, you didn't send anybody to tell us that we were sinning and how angry you were. And so, no, he, he always wants us to make sure we, we are the important witness for God to the world. Telling them how to avoid judgment. Believe in the Son. And occasionally, he'll use us. And, it, and, and what an incredible thing it is to know that somebody has come to believe because of the Holy Spirit in response to the proclamation we've made that was faithful 
it, it's an extraordinary opportunity to serve God. And, and Paul loved it more than anything in the world. He loved seeing people come to Jesus. In the passage we see today, let those of us who are mature think this way, which is that that circumcision doesn't count for anything, that my life doesn't count for anything if it's not devoted to, to the proclamation in word and deed of Christ in us, that, that it has nothing to do with our own righteousness or anything else. So we can boldly proclaim this without even bragging because we're just bragging on Jesus. So he says, let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, I love this, God will reveal that also to you. In other words, so if you don't agree with me on this, God will show you I'm right. (laughs) Only let us hold true to what we've attained. Be faithful to what you have. Don't let go that witness. He says, brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul is saying, you know, hey, I'm trying to be like Jesus. And because I'm trying to be like Jesus, you should imitate me because I'm imitating him. It's not that, that Paul's raising himself up. He's just saying, look, I'm doing my best here. And, and not only that, I'm, I'm doing my best to be faithful to what God's given me to do no matter what it costs me, even if I'm in prison. doesn't matter, because this is written when he was in prison. So he's writing to this community that began with what? A jailer. <clears throat> and now he's saying, keep your eyes on me and imitate me. And he's not saying, you know, walk the way I walk and talk the way I talk and use your hands the way I use my hands. No, he's, he's, he's saying this, imitate my attitude, which is to lay aside everything else and make this the most important thing. For many of whom I have to often told you, um, and now tell you, even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul's saying, it's breaking my heart. Yeah, it's breaking my heart that you're doing this. And it's, it's breaking my heart that these come in and trouble you along the way. It breaks my heart for those that are troubled by it, and it breaks my heart for the ones who are doing it. Because he, he understands the secret and the key he explained it yesterday, it is to love in the name of Christ, even those who hate us. And that's, but what Jeremiah was told was, turn to them, they, let them turn to you, but you don't you turn to them. You keep your eyes on me. You make me the most important thing. And it's important to do that in ministry because it's easy to want to please people. It's so difficult. It's most of the time, it's just easier because you know what? You're right in front of me. And I don't hate you. <laughs> I don't want you to be displeased with me. But, but God said that's not the right attitude. And that's what Paul's saying is, is look, I, you know, I'm not trying to please them. I understand that they're enemies of the cross of Christ. They're not my enemies. They're enemies of the cross of Christ. And, and I'm sorry for that because I pity them because they're a, under a demonic deception. He says, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. He said, look, I know how this ends for them. I, I know how it ends. So I, I see beyond today. I see beyond the need to please them today because I don't want to be like them. I don't want to go where they go. I don't want my end to be the same as theirs. So I, I set my mind on heavenly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So there's more than enough power there for him to do this. He said it's easy to get sidetracked. 
It's easy to make mistakes here. We have to keep our eyes fixed on him and everything we want is found in him. This life is prelude to the next. And I want that life. And there's only one way I can get there. And that's by faith in Jesus Christ and by faithfully serving him in all that I do. And so I'm going to persevere, he says, in straining for that rather than this.